another episode of Leonard Looks at Life. In this episode, we'll be looking at Trick or Treat. Well, the time for Trick or Treat is just about upon us. In many places, they've already had some of the occurrences, some of the community events, some of the neighborhood parties have already taken place. But it's that time of year for Trick or Treat. One of my earliest, most distinct memories of trick-or-treat is from when I was in kindergarten. You know, I don't recall a lot of specifics of what I learned in kindergarten. If I recall, there was a wooden shoe that got passed around that we used to learn how to tie shoelaces. I remember a large circle with pictures on the floor that told us where to sit. I think they had different pictures of different animals on them. But I don't recall a lot of specifics of what I learned. I do remember my kindergarten teacher was a lady by the name of Mrs. Wilson, and she taught at my school for decades, and she seemed to be a very, a very nice lady. And based on how many of those that began their formal education under her tutelage turned out, she must have been a pretty excellent kindergarten teacher. But I do remember Halloween. I guess that would have been about eight weeks or so into the school year, and I was looking forward to the day because we were told that we could wear our costumes to school. My costume was one of those cheap ones that was manufactured by one of those big companies back then, either Ben Cooper or Halco or Collegeville, that consisted of a thin plastic mask and a, with a little elastic band that never seemed to make it through trick-or-treat, and a one-piece garment made of a very thin material that you wore over your clothes. You would put your arms and legs in, and then you would tie it in the back, kind of like a hospital gown. Well, that year, my costume was a devil. No idea if I picked that one out or if my mother chose it for absolutely no particular reason at all, I'm sure. But imagine if a five-year-old showed up at school in a devil costume today. The school would probably be on lockdown, parents would be arrested, and the kid would probably be suspended. But this was a different day, and I was excited. I was so excited, I could not wait. Remember when you were young and seemed like having to wait an hour was like lasting for a week or a month seems like today. Anyway, I remember I was so excited to go, but I was in the afternoon class, so I had to wait all through the morning until after lunch and after recess, and then I could go to school. I think I even went a little bit early that day while the kids were out at recess because I was really excited. I lived just across the street, so it was just a quick trip over there, so I went a little bit early. So there I was, all dressed up and ready to share Halloween with all my long-term friends who I had known for an entire two months now. Then I got my bubble burst. Not all the kids wore costumes to school. Only the kindergartners did. So while I was waiting for a recess to end so that I could go into my class, I was informed by an older and much more worldly-wise child, probably a second grader, that she was too old to wear a costume to school and that only kindergarten babies who were made of gravy wore costumes to school. While I've always had a taste for gravy, especially over mashed potatoes, I perceived this was not intended as a compliment. So my feelings were hurt and I was a little bit scared and I started to cry. Mrs. Wilson came to the door, let us in for the afternoon session, took me in before the other kids so I could get my act together and appear a little more stoic to all the other costume-clad kindergartners. The rest of the day continued without, without further incident, and also nothing else very memorable. But even that did not deter 
my looking forward to trick-or-treating on a yearly basis as I was growing up. Now for me, Halloween has always been about one thing, the candy. It wasn't about the scary stuff or it wasn't about pranks. It was about getting candy. Plus, I never really liked the games that they would pull out at Halloween. Never really liked bobbing for apples. That just got your hair all wet. I didn't like the messy games, like where someone would dip a donut in chocolate, hang it on a string above your face, and you had to eat it lying down. That just got chocolate all over the place. And then some of those games were a bit out of my comfort zone. Passing a lifesaver by using toothpicks one person's mouth to the next, or passing the apple without any hands, you know, where you had to do it in the crook of your neck. Maybe I was just a nerdy, shy kind of guy, but I just really didn't like those games that invaded my space a little too much. What other time of year did you get to go to every house in the neighborhood, knock on the door, ask for candy, and someone would actually give it to you? I can still remember coming home, being excited, dumping out my pillowcase, no little small plastic pumpkin for me, and all the goodies would pile out into the floor in one glorious heap of blissful, useless calories. I am also thankful that my trick-or-treat days were before the advent of that hideous abomination known as fun size. Personally, I think full size is a lot more fun than fun size. But we would go through our neighborhood. Sometimes we would venture to the adjoining neighborhood, go a few blocks away and get to go there. And, you know, the further you went, the more candy that you got. But it was a simpler time. You know, costumes were simpler then. As I said, I, you know, you had the thin plastic mask and a little smock, or you could make your own. Something as simple as a plastic cigar that could shoot baby powder out to make smoke would instantly transform you into a hobo. A plastic cigar and a hat and a torn up shirt was all you needed. A sheet with a few holes made you a ghost. Of course, if your sheet was a flowered pattern, it didn't quite have the same effect. As my boys were growing up, I always used to suggest to them that they should dress up like an accountant for trick-or-treat. But for some odd reason, they never seemed to buy into that one. But it was always fun to go out trick-or-treating, and it, was all, and it was fun to take my children out when they were small. I remember taking my oldest son to a mall when we lived in Fort Worth, Texas, had him dressed up as a mouse, I think. And you would go store to store, and they would give you candy. And over the years, my boys dressed up as a number of different things. I remember them going as uh, Crayolas, as vampires, as pirates, as superheroes. It was just always fun to let them dress up and go out and get candy. And they'd come back and they would empty out all their treasures and sort it out. And they would make a pile of the good stuff, which was usually chocolate. And then they would make a pile of the stuff that they would share with mom and dad. Things like bit of honey and hard candy and suckers. I remember, especially my middle child, he came home one time and he put all his candy in the floor, sorted it into different piles, got out a piece of paper, and took an inventory of the candy they got for Halloween. I'm not sure if he didn't trust his brothers or if he didn't trust mom and dad to get into his good candy. But it was just always fun to share that experience and see how it went. And it seemed like when I was trick-or-treating, it seemed like within a day or two, all the candy was gone. Uh, my kids, it seemed like they would drag it out and have it last for a long time. And I remember one Halloween when they came home and my children, who were always had more discipline with portion control, I suppose, than I did, uh, one of the boys picked out three or four pieces of candy and, and asked his mom, can I have this many? 
And she said, oh, sure, just go ahead and eat till you throw up. And his eyes lit up like, really, can I do that? Of course he didn't. He ate his three or four pieces, and he was good. So over years, the the method of trick-or-treat has changed in a number of ways, but it's still the essence of it, of dressing up and going um, and getting candy. And that's what's always been so much uh, fun to me and what I've really liked. I got to thinking, I wonder what the most popular candy has been over the years. And there's a couple of different websites that I looked at to see what the most popular candy has been for Halloween. According to the AARP website, in the 1920s, the most popular candy was Baby Ruth. In the 30s, it was Three Musketeers. In the 40s, it was M&M's. In the 50s, it was Atomic Fireballs. I think there must have been some uh, influence from the Cold War in that era. In the 1960s, it was Sweet Tarts. And in the 1970s, it was Laffy Taffy and Skittles. According to CandyFunhouse.com, in the 80s, the most popular candy was Runts, those tiny fruit-shaped candies. In the 90s, it was Pop Rocks, if you remember those crackling, popping, the flavor-packed adventure candy. In the 2000s, I say it was candy corn, although I find that one a little hard to believe. In the 2010s, it was Snickers, and in the 2020s, it was Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Another website I looked at, uh, Wide Open Country, it said in the 20s it was O'Henry, in the 30s it was Chico Stick, in the 40s it was an Almond Joy, in the 50s it was Pixie Sticks, if you, if you remember uh, those, what's better than a straw full of flavored powdered sugar? In the 60s it was Razzles, and if you remember those, it was not only candy, and it was not only gum, it was candy and a gum. In the 70s, it was Ring Pops. In the 80s, it was Airheads. And in the 90s, it was E-Fruity Gummy Candy, such uh, little things such as hamburgers, hot dogs, or pizza. So although those websites don't really agree on everything, they do give you an idea of how candy has changed over the years. And I also wondered, what were the most popular costumes for trick-or-treat over the years? And according to the DailyMeal.com, In the 1920s, it was clowns, which maybe that's why people are so scared of clowns today. In the 30s, it was Mickey and Minnie Mouse. In the 40s, it was witches. In the 50s, it was Hawaiian dress. In the 60s, it moved on to superheroes. In the 70s, it was Charlie Brown and Peanuts. One of the greatest lines ever for Halloween is Charlie Brown, and it's a great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, when they would all uh, go to the door and they'd say what they got, and Charlie Brown was always, I got a rock. In the 80s, most popular costume for trick-or-treat was Elvira and Hulk Hogan. In the 90s, it was the Power Rangers. In the 2000s, it was celebrities. And in the 2010s, it was characters from the movie Frozen. And I know over the years, there's been a lot of debate and discussion about uh, whether you should let your kids participate in trick-or-treat, whether Halloween is an event that we really should observe. But as I said, I always enjoyed the opportunity to trick-or-treat. So I think there are some good reasons to take your kids out trick-or-treating. One is that you get to explore your community. In our day and age, we are so fragmented, we are so shut off from each other, that we don't really get to know our neighbors that often. And especially those that we, when you go past one or two houses next to us, Uh, we may not know those folks who live two or three doors down from us. So it's an opportunity to get out and get to meet those people in a very uh, friendly, non-threatening kind of way to just go up and be able to 
to say trick or treat. It's also an opportunity to have costumed fun, to dress up. Let your kids dress up. Let them have a little pretend in their life. It's also an opportunity for exercise. You know, we really don't get enough exercise today, and even kids sit around an awful lot. So the opportunity just to get out, walk through the neighborhood, go house to house, I think that's something that's good as well. And it also gives us an opportunity to teach manners, to tell our children to go up, to knock on a door, to say something, to to speak clearly as they say trick-or-treat, and then also to say thank you, to look at the people and say thank you for what they've given them, to show a little bit of gratitude. Children don't get to interact with a great variety of adults for the most part, and I understand there's a lot of reasons why we want to watch what adults they get to interact with, but to go out through the neighborhood trick-or-treating, accompanying our kids or grandkids, I think that's a great opportunity. And of course, it's also just to enjoy the candy. You know, that is what I always thought it was about, was to get candy and enjoy the candy. And if you're not going out with your kids, or if your children are grown out of the house, it's also nice to stay at home, be the ones giving out candy, to be able to see the kids that come through the neighborhood, to be able to uh, greet children, and to be nice, and to talk to them, and, and compliment them on their costumes, and to see the kids from the neighborhood go through. But if you are on that end, if you are the one passing out the candy, uh, make sure you do something that the kids are going to like. So there are a number of 10 worst trick-or-treat candy lists that are out there. So after looking on some of those lists, I've kind of uh, condensed those down to the ones that I think. And so here's my list of things to not give out this trick-or-treat. Number 10, bubblegum. Chewing it just keeps you from moving on to the chocolate. So don't hand out bubblegum. Number 9 on the list is stickers. You can't eat them, and Mom won't let you put them on the furniture. So just keep your stickers to yourself. Move on to something else. Number eight on the things not to hand out this trick-or-treat is coupons. Trick-or-treat is a time for instant gratification, so don't give out coupons. Seven, anything homemade. Mom knows all the urban legends and isn't going to let the kid eat anything that's homemade. Number six is candy corn. You know, I think candy corn is the fruitcake of trick-or-treat. Number six is those peanut butter flavored things in the orange and black wrappers. You know, I wonder, do they even sell those any other time of year? But somehow they always seem to show up for trick or treat. Number four is raisins. Just don't do it. Unless, if they're chocolate covered, then that might be okay. Number three is apples. Again, unless they are covered in caramel and nuts and factory sealed for your protection, don't give out apples. Number two, those little wax bottles filled with juice. Is it a drink or is it a chew? The world may never know. And number one is a toothbrush. Just don't ever give out toothbrushes. That is just being cruel. So sit back, relax, and either enjoy taking your kids out door to door or enjoy having the kids come to your house this trick-or-treat. It's an opportunity to give out a treat and an opportunity to meet your neighbors. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Leonard Looks at Life. You can also check out my blog at leonardslines.com and find me on X at leonardslines.com as well. Thanks, have a great week, and don't eat too much of that candy.